This is the DLR Cast, the essential podcast for fans of Diamond David Lee Roth. If you're still arguing about your favorite singer being better than the singer that replaced your favorite singer, you might be a David Lee Roth fan. <laughs> wow, Jeff Foxworthy. I love that. That is a great multifaceted deep cut reference. Thank you for being you, Steve. There you go. Once again, you've got the <laughs> you've got the DLR cast, the podcast by and for fans of David Lee Roth by two guys who are fans and not fanboys. How you doing, Darren? Once again, great to see you. Great to have you. Great to be a part of our fantastic podcast here. Yeah, nothing but yeah. What was that? Uh, <laughs> it's all sushi bar. Uh, live from the Mojo Dojo. Uh, I don't have any more of them right now. All right. Well, there you go. Well, a couple <laughs> things as we get a little bit closer to your big appearance in Las Vegas, hitting up the David Lee Roth shows, what could be the final shows in Sin City. Well, the final shows for Dave, period. And speaking of that, we got a little piece of news here in the Dave universe, and that is it broke a day or two ago at Blabbermouth and Usual Suspects. Wolf, Wolfgang Van Halen doesn't think Alex Van Halen will make an appearance in any of David Lee Ross' final shows, to which I say, exactly, no kidding. It's mm-hmm. not going to happen. Yeah, all, all this controversy happened because of that Metalhead Zone article, which... They put in a line that Roth never said in his statement, and then other people picked that up, and enough people said it, enough people said it, and it was like no one ever said that Alex was going to perform with him, but no. article. Well, the writer for Spin, which is where this interview first uh, showed up and everybody else started picking it up, apparently yeah. uh, thought Dave did say it, to which, to which uh, when he was asked about it, Wolfgang said, yeah, I know. Uh, when the interviewer pointed out that Roth had said it was happening, Wolfgang replied, yeah, I know. I don't know about that. I'm not talking for Al or anything, but I haven't heard. And he brings up a really good point. The thing with Van Halen that people should have learned by now is that if it doesn't come from them, it's not true. And Al has not made any public public statements about this, so I wouldn't expect it. If he didn't say it, it's probably not true. Here's the deal. If it was going to happen, Wolfgang would already know which doesn't mean Wolfgang in any respect is not telling the truth. It's he is telling the truth because guess what? It's not happening. I've said it before. I don't think you'll see maybe for a charitable event, maybe for a cancer benefit. I don't think you'll ever see Alex Van Halen play drums in public again. Maybe for the raising of a horse barn or the, (laughs) I almost made you do a spit take there. (laughs) The almighty Pinterest account. I, I agree with you, sadly. I think it'll take, a reunion approved benefit oriented thing like what got led zeppelin together in 2006 or 2007 it'll take something like that to get alex but it will not be a bunch of casino shows but i uh, i would strike the word reunion from any of that there is no reunion there will never be a reunion eddie has p- sadly passed i mean i think maybe a a, a um, coalescing of former members in one place sometime, maybe pick up musical instruments for whatever that might be. Maybe possibly, but I would, I don't think I'm going out on a limb here to say that probably won't happen either. By reunion, I meant the possibility of Dave, Alex and Wolfgang being in public together and there being a Van Halen logo around it. To me, that constitutes a reunion, 
but you raise a very good point and I'm not far off from you right there. Yeah. And I, yeah, I mean, not much more to talk about that. Right. I mean, it's, it's what it, it, it is what it won't be. There you go. It is what it won't be. Is that a Rothism? If not, wow, that was good. That's a Steve Rothism trademark it, book it, copyright it. There you go. Welcome Dano. All right. So I don't even know about this, but you, teased a bit earlier today when we were messaging that you have got some what do we call this broth exclusive news you've got some deep let's see news from yet another mystery we need to have like a pi theme song dropped in here somewhere here before we give up this news here like 70s tv cop show theme song we just drop in here whenever you drop in some darren david lee roth mystery news Well, this is a bizarre one because I've been consuming a lot of Dave in anticipation of these Vegas shows. Right. For better and for worse, to the improvement and the detriment of my life at the same time. So I was watching a video that he put up on his YouTube channel. It's one of those Roth shows that's not really a Roth show. It's just him plugging the Vegas residency of 2020. And this was a 2019 video. And there's two things of note. One, the video footage, which doesn't have sound accompanying it, where it shows him playing with a band. You look, and that is not the band that he performed with. I recognize Michael Musselman. I recognize the bass player who's still there, but uh, that was not the guitar player. And that looks like Brett Tuggle on second guitar. So that confirms something that we spoke about. But that is not the Roth exclusive. The <laughs> but Roth's, wait, there's more. <laughs> but wait, there's more. Uh, Ron Popeil would be proud. Okay. Around four minutes into that video, you know, I just had it on the background, typing it away, investigated the masses here, doing the day job. And I hear a song and I'm like, that's familiar. That's Giddy Up in the background. Ooh. Uh, Giddy Up did not come out until, that was what? That was the second song that he put out to Spotify and all that? Yeah. Uh, well, for those for those who are, aren't aware, right. I, that, is a, that is a song from the John Five Sessions that yeah. came after, I think, yeah, it did come out after Sunset, Over the Sunset Bar and Grill, which was the first song that was released in kind of a tribute to Eddie. The first song that Dave released yes. from the semi-acoustic, laid back sessions that that spawned an entire album that we know of with john five that is either that at least 10 years old or 10 years ago correct so that was released you know october or november 2020 somewhere over the rainbow bar and grill and giddy up followed that one and then the third one that we got um why am i forgetting the name oh my atlanta if only there was some sort of machine where you could come up with information like just really quickly. Uh, and it, I'm, I am so bad with song names. It's myself. that Laurel Canyon sounding acoustic song. It's some kind of a yeah, there's, there's some. It's somewhere over the Rainbow Bar Girl, Giddy Up, and uh, Low Res Sunset. That was the okay, third low one. Low Res yes. Sunset. Okay. So meaning this video was posted with Giddy Up in the background, 
a year, year and a half before it was properly released. Which is not a surprise because we knew this music was older. We knew it existed. Right. Now, I've been also watching some more of these Rothschild things, and there's episodes that just have absolutely random things in the background. And you go, what was that? No, 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 I'm kidding. You, <laughs> you go, yeah. I don't know that. And so there's one song that I heard that was called something like Pop Rocks and Red Bull. And I'm like, never heard that before. So I looked it up on, on ASCAP, and that's a co-write with John Five. I don't know if that's on that album, but... Did it, it sound like it should be on the album? No, no. Okay. No. Uh, the cover that he does of Pharrell's Happy, which is in one of those episodes, obviously that didn't make an album. Right. So this confirms to me the guy has been recording all along. But what about this weird conspiracy theory that he's released the whole John five album as background music to Roth show episodes. And we just didn't pay attention to it and notice it. You know, well, possibly. I mean, I remember I got to go back and I watched or listened to all those Roth shows, especially why well, are you talking the first version of the Roth show or the second version of the Roth show that ended right about the time the 2020 residency uh, kicked off because he was promoting the 2020 residency. Right. One of the very last episodes was him doing the Vegas baby. Oh, oh yeah, that, a bit. that video does not age well. I know what you say, but I've, I've been, I spent a couple of hours on this uh, <laughs> a, a, a week or two ago. I was looking through every song that David Lee Roth ever wrote, according to ASCAP. And it does not include Ain't No Christmas, which is the song that he put out. Was that 2016 or 2017 that people thought that that was his farewell to Van Halen song? Oh, my god. Remember goodness. that one? Vaguely. Yeah, it's this cool acoustic-y song, which has like an electric guitar lead towards the end. At first, you just think it's him playing acoustic, but then you hear a guitar lead and you go... Dave doesn't do leads. So somebody co-wrote this with him. And who is it? You can't find it through ASCAP. Who wrote it? Is this another John Five session songs? I don't think it is. But. Man, <laughs> the, my head's spinning, time, man. My head's spinning. Every time you think you figure out the answer, you don't know it. Did we talk about it on air about the Chemical Brothers thing? Yes. Last episode. Yes. Okay. So. I was looking at different songs and there are plenty of songs I don't recognize that are registered in there. Then there's other songs where maybe the writing credits are a little bit off. registered. <laughs> so it really just comes back to the more you think, you know, the more you don't. Right. And I have this new theory that there are no lost years of David Lee Roth, that he's been doing stuff all the time. And it's just, it's not listed in a linear fashion. No, I believe it. I mean, you know, he has stated, or, or it's been, I know I've read in a number of different places that uh, Henson Studios is where he likes to record. He goes yes. there and records stuff all the time. Never says with who. I mean, he did all his vocals separate from Van Halen there. And, yeah. and Eddie brought that up in one of the interview, Guitar World interviews for that album cycle for A Different Kind of Truth. But you're right, but he is recording all the time. And it's funny because this is not the first time, nor the second or third time even, where the, we discovered music via 
in different places that we didn't know existed. Because remember, mm-hmm. there was a whole bunch of music in the background to the No Holds Barbecue Freak Fest. Yes. I mean, I had no idea he did a cover of ELO Shine a Little Love until I managed to sit through that video, that entire video more than once, I might add. I, I mean, I didn't know he did a, a version, a very cool, very fine version of Jerry Rafferty's uh, yeah. Baker Street. So there is stuff out there. And I confess to when I paid attention to the music on the various episodes of the Raw show, it was it was well, it was background music. I don't remember there being vocals and much besides him doing kind of the rhythmic. Yeah, you know, whatever. Right. Terrible. I know. But do you know what? That's pitchy, dude. But do you know what I'm saying? Where he was kind of just. Well, doing so, some sort of rhythmic scat track behind it there. I didn't hear him. I don't remember songs, actual songs, I should say. Besides, it sounded to me like there was remix stuff back there. And I knew he created it. I yeah. just, had, just had that. I just had a feeling. So my, unfortunately, my rabbit hole got even deeper and even worse. Uh, if I could have one of those conspiracy theory blackboards <laughs> point out the stuff. The, the old Glenn Beck chalkboard <laughs> where you th- put everything together when that crazy. Uh, do you remember that? <laughs> it's yeah. all related to the Illuminati. I'm telling you. So I rewatched No Holds Barbecue for some <laughs> research purposes. And there's a few weird things in there. Oh, wait a minute. Hold on. A few. You're being generous. Uh, those few things have what struck you is not weird, Darren. Oh, <laughs> uh, what's not weird? Um, Sorry, I, I got you off the beaten track. There. Oh, uh, you're okay. You're right. There is nothing weird. <laughs> not I mean, weird. Nothing that's not weird. Okay, whatever it is. With the caveat that <laughs> that this does not mean that we did not enjoy watching this because. There- there's a guy whose face is blurred in two scenes. So that is a weird thing unto itself. There's a performance scene where they're outside a truck, which later you see they're supposed to look like painted spaceships, but you see a PV amplifier a logo or stamp on it. So it's clearly the, some kind of a back that you could fit a little person into. Okay, whatever it is, there's a person whose face is blurred in a few things. Uh, we see there's a harmonica player that I've never seen play with Dave before because Dave usually takes the harmonica responsibilities. And there's other weird stuff with this whole thing, but it goes a, st- a step further. Did you ever look at the credits to the Diamond Dave album, the mostly covers album from 03? Yes, I did. A lot of the covers, yes. I did. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, yeah, I have. Oh, sorry, the covers album. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. There's, there's a bunch of, there's, well, it's all cover tunes, but except for is it two tracks? One's with Terry one Terry Gilgore as a co-write. The other one is a song called Thug Pop, which sounds like it may have been left over from the DLR band sessions, and John Five as a co-write on that. Yeah. So so exactly as you just pointed out, there's a Kilgore leftover, and him and Kilgore stopped working together at a certain point. There's a John Five co-write. They stopped working together. There's one song that's produced by Niall Rogers, which has Omar Hakim on drums and a bunch of people who'd regularly worked with Niall Rogers, which then makes you go, wait, does that mean that's a your filthy little mouth left over? Uh-huh. Then there's another song that's a totally different lineup. It's just a whole bunch of different lineups. So is the Diamond Dave album, where does that start? Versus the No Holds Barbecue thing. Because the No Holds Barbecue has the ELO cover that you just talked about. It's a bunch of 
old standardsy kind of sounding things. It has the Baker Street. It has the Chemical Brothers fake co-write called Scarecrow. It, it has the acoustic, that cool acoustic version of Mean Street. Yeah. Oh, which is fantastic. It, 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 except for him talking about Little Elvis. Uh, Little Elvis comes up a lot in this. <laughs> no old barbecue. And Little Elvis comes up on DLR, Ben. I never realized how much he talks about Little Elvis. Have, had you? I Unfortunately, I will now realize it. So, <laughs> Yeah, so... I'm really, really confused if Diamond Dave was a Leftovers album, because in a way, DLR band album also sounds like a Leftovers album, being that I heard this great interview with Terry Kilgore on a Van Halen-themed podcast where he's basically talking about, like, yeah, I stopped working with Dave, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, he did that with John Five. Well, I don't think think the DLR band is... uh... Uh, quote unquote a leftover album. It might have cont- a couple songs were leftovers with Terry Kilgore, mm-hmm. but they were all recorded in one shot, right in that studio no. in Florida, or at least the John Five. Well, look, John, F- it's not leftovers. I- it's, it's brand new material written with John Five, right? That's sort of new. But I, looking through the credits this week, found a bass player who played on two songs, who we might be speaking with in the near future, who. Dave used for some rehearsal kind of stuff. So I'm now wondering if the DLR band album was three or four different sessions or blocks of stuff. Well, that's possible. I mean, because there are different people. on. It's not like he went in there and everybody goes down to Miami for two weeks. Says, You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's not just one band. I, I totally get that. I'm just saying that the songs with the songs they did with John Five were yeah. written they weren't just written for the hell of it. I mean, they, I thought they were written to put out, I would bet they were written to put on an album, which became the DLR band. For whatever reason, there's not 10 or 11 songs all with, well, for Dave's reasoning, because he had other songs recorded where we don't know or when, but I mean, it's it's clearly, it's not an album that features 12 songs with just written with John Five or him playing on it. Right. So if there's a couple of Kilgore songs, which might have been left over from your filthy little mouth, and then there's, there's a Kilgore song on Diamond Dave, which we have to assume is also left over because he was not working with Kilgore at that point. He went to Bart Walsh and then ultimately right. to Brian Young. And and we now have to go. Does that mean that your filthy little mouth was an A&R nightmare kind of album? By that, I mean that an A&R guy was going, I need more songs. I need more songs. And Dave had to write 30, 40, 50 songs for that. Um, this, this is just a guess, but it's, well, that, it's that just prolific. That just means that somehow, some way, God knows what reason, no big thing still made it on a fucking album. <laughs> Thank you, folks. But here's the thing on that, though, because yeah. the stuff written with Terry Gil- Kilgore... Yeah, that was he. That does not sound like your filthy little mouth outtakes. It's it's as far as the sound of those songs. Do you know what I'm saying? It's it's sounds per the you know the 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 Diamond Dave record. You can hear that that's that's not as cohesive sounding. Right. Okay. Not just in songs and the types of songs. But granted, they're all covers, but two, right? But as far as the overall sound of that album, DLR band has a cohesive sound of the album. I, I can't, I didn't, I don't have the credits right in front of me, so I don't know if the entire, well, we know the entire thing wasn't recorded in Miami, but the same uh, same engineering crew 
it uh, whoever manned the boards, I think, was pretty much all the same because it does not sound like outtakes. The credit from from DMR from a prior session have him at a Burbank studio and a North Hollywood uh, studio. There's no Miami, so could there be a Phantom Miami studio that we thought he was at the whole time? <laughs> well, there's a Phantom bass player, Bourbon Bob. So who's not so much Phantom? So yeah, so it's this one of these things where you you come in with one question. And that leads to like five questions and you go like, is, are we ever going to get the answers to this? If, if we tape another 12 DLR cast episodes that have 12 different interviews, are we going to get all those things answered or are those then going to lead to another 12 questions? And uh, yeah. Well, there no. is that big black block of time when you think of it from 95. When did your filthy little mouth come out? 94, 95? No, 94. Yeah. 94. All right. So there was that touring cycle. And then for the most part, 94, there's your filthy, there's the DLR band album, no tour behind it. Diamond Dave album, no tour behind it. And then the Van Halen reunion in 2007. I mean, so there's a big block in time where he was off the grid. Uh, that was a period of time there where he was an EMT and will foreshadow and tease a future episode with that one right there. Um, <laughs> And so he wasn't always that active. He was doing weird film stuff. I mean, well, you know, he was no. doing fiddling with Van Halen or whatever, right? I mean, I, I, I got to interrupt you. I figured it out. There was not a block of time where he didn't do anything. And he, well, no, I'm not, I'm right. But what I'm saying, as far as in the public eye, no, he did a lot of stuff. So I, I figured this all out with my conspiracy plan back <laughs> chalkboard here. Okay, so he's making your filthy little mouth in 93, ultimately comes out in 94. There's the touring related to that. You got me so far, bro. Bro. Okay. <laughs> I got you. It's tough now, to follow, but I'm, I'm, I got you. 95 is the failed Vegas residency. Right. And, and how do you put that show together? Well, you actually have to write it. You don't just rehearse it with the band there. You actually have to put a show together and write the book and figure it out and cast the whole thing. So he probably thought, oh, this is going to be a long term thing. This is a year or two. It didn't happen. Ninety six is the Van Halen failed reunion thing. So there's some output in there, but that's ninety six. Ninety seven. We see the release of the crazy from the heat book which we have to assume he was writing in 96 and 97. And probably before that, maybe. Yes. 98 is the, the release of the DLR band album that was partially recorded in 97. But a new mystery, which I have not been able to locate. I didn't know about this. Apparently, there were streaming audio webcasts that Roth was doing through his website in 98. Do you know about these? Good Lord, man. I no, because I would have listened to him. And that was, you know, very the internet in kind of an embryonic stage at that in the yes. late 90s. So he was doing those. And a, one of the reasons it seems like these have disappeared into the ether is there was eventually a lawsuit between those webmasters and Dave over non payment of services and thievery, allegedly, et cetera. So you go, okay, so he did that album in 94, Vegas in 95, Van Halen attempted writing the book in 96, 97, he had writing and doing the DLR band album and the book, 
98 had the webcasts, the release of that of that thing. So that guy was actually going nonstop. And it, there's nothing really to connect all that. Right. It's the public not- output is not fully there. I mean, it, bits and pieces. Not a lot. And then we get the bonus track, Piss Off, I think it's called, which is track one on the the very best of, like the 20 track Rhino thing, which I and think- And that sounds, that's, that sounds like your filthy little mouth left over. And yeah. Steve Hunter plays on that, who played yes. guitar on A Little Ain't Enough. And I can't remember if he plays on any, I think he plays a little bit of guitar on on Your Filthy Little Mouth. It, I don't remember who produ- produced uh, Don't Piss Me Off, but- it's always it always sounded to me like it came from the your filthy little mouth sessions, which is a cool I like that song. That's a cool tune. Okay. That would have been a great replacement for No Big Ting. <laughs> Agreed. And then we did um he didn't super tour in front of a DLR band album. A lot of people put that out there like and he didn't tour in uh, in support of that. And I've heard I've pieced it together besides our the greatest concert in the history of concerts is 1999 live in Finland. There were shows in support of that. He did some dates with bad company. It looks like he did some radio festival stuff, but again, without us, the greatest David Lee Roth podcast in the world of all time, without (laughs) all these little things connected, all these dots, I think people will go like, well, yeah, there was an album 91, 94, 98, diamond, even 03. Hmm. He he's kind of kicked back since Van Halen. No. Well, we do know he's all. I mean, there, no doubt he's always busy. This is and everybody knows this is not a guy who's just going to go on sabbatical somewhere and do nothing. I mean, it's yeah. he's going to go to he's going to go to Tokyo for over a year and learn uh, this ancient master craft of uh, <laughs> of pen and ink drawings or whatever and get tattoos and and rumor had it he fell in love there and who you know i mean hell he said it once in an interview uh so yeah there's always something going on but speaking of things going on and speaking of connecting the dots that's another great segue to another great interview oh yes uh this this guest that we've got scotty emmerich is an a-list in my opinion country co-writer lots of the toby keith hits are him lots of artists i think his first big break which he talks about a little bit in the interview is a cut that he had with savoy brown oh wow 90s and that led to future work with them and uh, as i said toby keith and he's not the easiest guy to uh, track down scotty but i sent out an sos going so i want the story on this david lee roth song that you co-wrote and he's like, uh, really? And the song is? <laughs> uh, what is it? One piece semi folding chair. What's exactly. It? So in this timing is perfect because this week, a week after the tornadoes in Kentucky, that song, which Dave previously put on uh, one piece polyurethane. I'm I'm not making fun. Of it, I don't remember something plastic chair. It's it's a song about those ubiquitous cheap plastic patio chairs right yeah. so but that song made an appearance on social media i don't know two or three years ago maybe and yeah. and i want to say did he put it out for some reason but he just i just saw it on his social media today or yesterday and it was dedicated to the kentucky tornado victims 
if I remember correctly, it was Dave's Hurricane Sandy song and the music video, which yes, through a Raw show episode, was basically him just walking around New York City in the infamous overalls with Russell the dog and a chair for some of it and like looking longingly into the night or into the day from his rooftop. And it's a it's a cool song. It's it's him singing in his lower register. Almost a spoken word sort of thing, practically. Yeah, it's a it's a great sound for him. I would not I would not not that's a double negative. I <laughs> I would like a acoustic blues kind of thing for him. He he clearly can still sing in that register. And as we learned from this talk with Scotty, this is just something that he wrote on the spot. <laughs> And never really knew it came out. And that was that. This is not like Scotty went, hey, this is this is the next phase of my career. I'm the new Roth guitarist. <laughs> Nothing like that. Well, great work, Detective Darren. I mean, this is nobody will bring you interviews <laughs> like we do here at the DLR cast. And I mean, nobody. For better and for worse, this is a, a rabbit hole. What's the lyric on A Different Kind of Truth? about a rabbit hole oh I, yeah i can't remember it offhand but i know where you're going with that how deep does a rabbit hole go oh i, I think yes. that's lyric and this is definitely a rabbit hole and if yeah. if i could figure out who co-wrote that song ain't no christmas i floated that one to the van halen news desk i said do you guys know anything about this one because they are the ones who confirmed that it wasn't about van halen that it was just kind of poetry as dave's management said right so i have a feeling there's a lot of songs like this in the dl archive whoa is that a new term the dl archive oh i like that nice <laughs> this is a deep dl archive deep deep cuts yeah, and thanks to Scotty for, for talking to me on short notice. Thanks to you for tolerating me talking to Scotty and these uh, Roth exclusives. Roth exclusives, direct <laughs> Roth exclusives as we continue to try to peel back the mysteries of the DL archive here on the DLR cast. What, whatever you want to call it, uh, Vegas, leaving for Vegas in four days unless the COVID monster uh, takes care. Oh, man, I'm thinking of you. My fingers are crossed. Be double, Matt. Dude, just wear it. I'm telling you, wear a, wear a welding helmet and a dental <laughs> vest, okay? Just please be healthy. This Omicron stuff, is this is no joke, as you know. But, yeah. man, it's like increasingly every day, things are getting canceled on very short notice, like sports games and stuff. So my fingers are crossed that you will still be there and that you will be healthy. And hopefully, like we've talked about, maybe do some man-on-the-street uh, revelers at the show interviews. Thank you. And and the confusing message, not to be political here, the confusing message of the whole thing is the state of Nevada has no COVID passport requirements or legalities. Yet this venue, this House of Blues venue, has a vaccination requirement or you know proving the test kind of thing. So it makes you wonder: Is Live Nation its own sovereign nation? Ooh. Man, get that get out the Glenn Beck chalkboard to figure that one out. <laughs> well, I, I would, but you see the DLR band uh deep cuts. Yeah. They lead and they prove that he should be chased by little people. <laughs> and Playboy triplets and his security guard, while there's a soundtrack to a Chemical Brothers co-write. You see, it all makes sense. I don't know why you think that's weird. 
you're digging oh so deep, my friend. So, <laughs> all right. Well, let's look at the calendar here real quickly. A little behind the scenes work here, but we are going to try. We I think we we talked about doing an episode uh, the day after, so New Year's Day, kind of your instant yeah. reaction to the show. We'll get into that. We've got the Scotty Emmerich interview. It's going to come up in the next day or two, or right before Christmas. And I think maybe we try to get one more interview, one more episode, see what news breaks. Um, in the Dave world, I think between Christmas and uh, you're leaving on what day? We are leaving on Christmas, those Christmas Jews. Uh, there you go. So I don't know. So perhaps perhaps the next week after Christmas sometime, if it's news, we'll bring it to you. And we're going to definitely do that on the spot, on the floor next day reaction report. Yes. And hopefully uh, Dave is not hearing this and uh, I've not been banned from the show. Hey, that's the guy who interviewed Scotty Emmerich, man. Get him out of here. <laughs> yeah, I, I was trying to think, you know, what's what's my situation if that happens? What's the name that I can drop to get in? It's like, uh, what ha- uh, what happens with that? Do you get paid for that song? There's no are there any. Uh, do you get a royalty for just it going up on social media? Do you get a just a? I mean, it can't be generating any too much income. But you're the co-writer for God's sakes. The the boring academic music industry answer is if it was properly registered and tagged, it would get a couple of pennies here and there based on the views. But it doesn't look like it was tagged. It looks like it was just registered, but not associated with anything else and not put through sound exchange. Kind of the the big problem with the DLR catalog is that we only see, for example, the DLR band album is only on Amazon Music and it's not even the whole album. That it's I don't not on Apple, it's not on Spotify. So someone's what? dropped the ball on that one. That makes no sense. And Dave, <laughs> yeah. assuming apparently that he put that on his own record label, he owns the masters. Yes. So who's holding that one up? Well, we just can't. He just won't let go of the masters. He owns the masters. <laughs> Well, it's the publishing. He has the publishing. Yes. <laughs> well, it's the, it's the artwork. They didn't clear the artwork. Nope. Nope. They did. <laughs> he did. <laughs> uh, well, there's a, a rights issue because the studio. Nope. There is nope. no studio. <laughs> it's it's uh, another mystery. Perhaps we can try to find out in a future episode. There you have it, folks. Nothing but, yeah, thank you for listening. Thank you for indulging. And if you're going to be in Vegas and I should be talking with you, reach out. The DLRcast at Outlook.com. There you go. We'd love to hear from you. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. All that fun stuff. And safe travels, my friend. Nothing but, yeah. All right. I first found out about you, like everybody from all the hits that you co-wrote from other people. What was the first cut that you got that kind of made you go, okay, things are going to be totally fine or at least fine for the next year or two? Well, like 1995, uh, 1994, I was about 21 years old. And Mark Miller of a group named Sawyer Brown uh, let me co-write a song with him. And, and it turned out that, uh, uh, it turned out that they put it out as a single and uh, it kind of, it, it went up to top five on Billboard and it it really kind of helped me, uh, it helped me uh, get a big foot in the door to where I knew I could like, I could stay here for a while. Yeah. 
I've had the pleasure of, you know, managing some people who are co-writers, talking with a lot of people who are co-writers, but some people actually hate the term co-writer. In your case, do you like it or hate it? I love it. I, I, I always needed help. I, I, I don't do well on my own. I'm a, I have very, I, I have ADD and I'm, I'm very, uh, distracted <laughs> and then just, and, and, uh, I always wanted to move to Nashville to be around other people with like-minded because where I came from in Vero Beach, Florida, I was by myself all the time and there was nobody to bounce off of. And I couldn't wait to get up to a place to where I can meet people that, that thought the same thing or maybe had the same kind of things in mind or I could bounce off of, you know, like a school because there was no school where I come from growing up. So it was, I, I never, I always, I wanted to learn, you know, I, I didn't know anything, you know. <laughs> well, some of the co-writers I've spoken to have a bit of a specialty. By that, I mean, some of them may not play any instruments nor sing, but it's, they're a vibes person. They're in the room to make the good hang happen that facilitates the writing. What's your specialty? Do you bring the music, the lyrics, or actually the vibes? Well, I, I want to bring all of it. <laughs> but but to yeah. clarify, you're a music first person? Uh, sometimes. I mean, yeah. I mean, guitar is my love and passion of life since I was a kid. I can bring the music. All Music comes easy. Um, but I'm a song. I mean, I'm... Uh, I don't. I don't know. That's that's a hard question to answer. Okay. Well, w where I'm going with that is some people. Every song they do is entirely the same creative process. They go, I get the song title, then the song gets written. But it sounds like each project for you is an entirely different thing. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, songs are songs are fragile entities, and they're they're fragile. So. The uh, I tell people to be a good songwriter, you have to know what a good song is to begin with. If you don't know what a good song is, you're probably not going to write a good song. <laughs> Learn from the greats, keep learning. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah, yes, yes. Like you know, I got to spend a few days at Merle Haggard's house, and um, all he all he talked about was songs of the forties and thirties and forties and how they were written. I mean, he studied it all, you know, and that guy maybe maybe one of the best American singer songwriters, definitely in country music, but he studied, he wasn't talking about anything of himself. He was, he studied the past like nobody's business, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that's probably the, one of the greatest. And I mean, you can only, you know, that's the only way to learn. Right. Some people that you speak with who are co-writers are super in the background, not on social media. Others are thinking about their business deals. They're putting themselves out there at the parties, wearing jewelry, et cetera. You're kind of the low-key guy. Is that by design or just coincidence because you're not a social media fan? Well, I've got a couple of nice watches. <laughs> Sure, but you're not on social media going, check out my new watch, and here's my new no. cut on the new Shooter Jennings album. No, 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 not really. I don't I don't think it's 
I don't know, man. I'm still kind of like, uh, I, it's just probably, it's, so far it ain't my style. I don't, I mean, I don't, I know it's the way to get it out there, but I don't know if, so far I, I'm not selling anything, you know? Hmm, that makes sense to me. And you mentioned before your first cut being Sawyer Brown, and I know you had Toby Keith cuts. Does that mean that you were almost an investor in TNA professional wrestling? <laughs> I remember, I remember going with him to Huntsville, Alabama, doing a wrestling thing. He he did on TV. It was funny. Yeah, and I hear that paid off for him, but that's not the point. We're talking about you. And one of the things that you've done in recent years is that Hitmakers tour. More is more activity coming up from that, or is everything on hold due to COVID and the uncertainties of touring? Um, I don't know. I, I, I do a number of private shows and things. People call me to play. Um, it's not slowed down for me that much at all. I mean, last year was a, was a weird, weird, weird thing for everybody, but, um, no, I mean, I'm always, I'm always picking and playing somewhere, you know, just small, but, uh, um, as far as the hit makers thing, I think the way we got introduced together was through even Stevens. Yeah. uh, yeah, yeah, and, and uh, I've done a number of his things up in Ohio and Indiana, and that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. I hope to do it again. So it sounds like all it takes is somebody offering you a project that sounds interesting, and then you come out and you do it. It's not like this 10-year plan and, oh, I have to get four cuts this year. No, nothing's planned for me. Right. So, for example, this— I'm not a- this week, did you do any writing or no? <laughs> yeah, Jake Owen and I were in the studio. We're doing a project called The Cannabis Cowboys. Wow. And it's a, it's a song called Cannabis Cowboys. And we, Jake Owen and I are doing this duet, this this little project, side project we're doing. And uh, it's going to be about four or five songs. And we're going to put it out there and market it in a way and use his, his, uh, his stardom if you will, to uh, put it out and, and see what happens. It's, it's a fun little thing, but y'all, you'll enjoy the song. It's, it's called The Cannabis Cowboy. Hmm. I'm looking forward to hearing that. And one song of yours that intrigues me to no end, that I've seen nothing ever said publicly about, is the song that you and Dave Lee Roth wrote called One Piece Thermomolded Country Plastic Chair. Do you have <laughs> great, great memories about that one? Yeah, um, meeting him was wild. I, I I was I was friends with his bus driver, what? and it was a yes. His bus driver was a was a lady named Valerie, and she used to drive the bus for Blake Shelton. And so Blake Shelton was for a, a year or two was on a Toby tour, and I was out there all the time on the whole thing. And so. She ended up leaving Blake Sheldon's deal years ago, and then she was a driver for David Lee Roth, and and she drove his bus. Well, they called me one day, years later, on the phone, and David Lee Roth wanted some really good cowboy boots. Well, she called me knowing that I would probably know where to get some, and and inadvertently. She played him some of my songs and stuff, and um, he 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 asked if he could fly me out to L.A. 
and record. And he wanted me to bring a couple guitars and I didn't know anything. So I didn't know what to expect. And I met him and he just was like, go out there on the studio floor and just play whatever. And so I was like, just play. And so I just played off the top of my head, uh, guitar, uh, chord progression. And I saw him in my, I saw him, he had these lyrics that he was like, shift the, that he had printed out and he was sifting through and that's he he came up with all that and I was just like okay that's how I met him it was just one day I think you just answered two questions for me the first one was in the video that he posted of the song of the music video it says special thanks to Valerie Wren is that Valerie the bus driver yeah yeah yep she's the one that got a hold of me and David Lee Roth you know wanted to when he flew me out wanted me to you know, do some kind of musical thing with him. So that was how that was. It was just one day. And the then only, probably, probably the only time and the last time I ever seen a guy. Okay. Then that led to another question that about 90 seconds in, there's a little bit of a flub on the guitar and you go, wait a second. So Dave loves imperfections and little things. And then talking about the imperfections that would kind of explain that maybe it was like a one or two take thing right there. Yeah, I mean, I be honest with you, I, I didn't even listen to it again, so I didn't hear any flows. But I'm sure I'm a error. I'm <laughs> laden. Wow! So you you played a thing on the guitar. He had the lyrics, and then I guess he formulated the whole thing together. I'm really impressed because it sounds like a very much an emotional song that was put together, not a one or two take thing per se. I didn't, to be honest with you, in that Cobra, I didn't have anything to do with it. I mean, I I just played a, the chord progression, and he put whatever he had to it. You know, he didn't ask me any other way, you know. So there was no, it wasn't too much of a collaboration. Wow. So the it, song gets... It was, it was a strange deal, you know. The song but, gets done and put out through his web series. Did you ever get a notice of, hey, FYI, from Team Dave, it's out? Or you just heard, hey, it's out? Yeah, I don't I don't know. I didn't hear anything. But. <laughs> wow. And so there was no back and forth with the publisher. It's just, it came out, you did it years ago, and you moved forward. Yeah. I think, it, I think he paid me for the, I think he paid me for the day. And uh, and after that, I mean, I have my end of the publishing. I, I never sell any money from it, anything. But there was no money to be had from it. You I know, mean, nothing ever came of that. So. Wow, I, I'm going to guess though, because every country artist or songwriter I've ever spoken with, except for one, was this. You were a big Van Halen fan growing up. Uh, no, I wasn't. But I do remember Jump. I remember. I remember people older than me uh, had jump and the the little baby. I mean, I remember the cigarette baby with wings, angel wings. I mean, I remember the the album, you know. Uh, but no, we I, I, I grew up on country music. Uh, but I also I knew about Motley Crue. I knew about Van Halen. I knew about Duran Duran. I knew about a number of pop records and and things like that. And uh, to me. Uh, Rock and roll, hard rock and roll was Leonard Skinner by the time I got into Southern rock. I was pretty, very traditional country, but I knew about them. 
I knew about them as a child. That's 82, so I was nine years old. I knew about that. Wow, so now it's officially two country artists or songwriters who were not diehard Van Halen fans. So thank you for adding to that, <laughs> Scotty. So, uh, that's really an impressive co-writing story where you recorded something, it went away, you didn't really think about it again, no one was up your case about that. Are there other things that you've recorded over the years or, or written over the years, rather, that you did that, the person cut it, and you didn't think about it again? I will tell you this, talking about Van Halen, I've gotten to be around Sammy Hagar a few times in San Francisco, where he's from, and Toby Keith and, and Sammy Hagar are friends, and that's how Toby has a place in Cabo. Sammy was the, one of the first ones to ever go to Cabo and, and live there. You know, but I've been around, speaking of Van Halen, of all things, I've, I've been around Sammy Hagar a few times, and he's a wonderful fellow. Really, really sweet, great dude. I can say that. So if you're around him and you're around Toby, that means you hang around a lot of musician, entrepreneur, restaurateurs. Yeah, you know, <laughs> Doc Sierra, we, we, we've been around some restaurant people like that. Yep, yeah. And ultimately... You again, you've been very successful as a songwriter and it doesn't seem to be slowing down on any end. Do you have any side hustles or projects or is it all about the music for you? Yeah, I don't do anything on the side. Huh. I, 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 uh, I, I try to seek out good weather somewhere. That's my, <laughs> side, my side hustle is sunshine. Side hustle is sunshine. That might be a cut, so write that one down. But <laughs> so if I have it straight, you do the hit makers thing when you hear from the good folks out there. If somebody wants you for a gig, you're around. If somebody wants you for a co write, you're around. That's pretty much it. That's about it. And happy about it. And happy. The simple life is a life for me. A man and a wife and a glass of tea. <laughs> and the last question related to all that and all this, unless I missed anything, was, was this really the plan all along to have this kind of life? Because it sounds like you're living the life that most people want to. Yeah, I don't know about other people. And I, I, don't, I, I just, I just uh, followed, I just followed down what I, my passion and what I want to do and I never worried about where it was going to take me as long as I just followed it down. I think it, I was always maybe reminded that it would take care of me if I, if I was true to it. So I don't know. I mean, there's other paths that are really hard to predict, and they're really hard for anybody else to say what's going to happen. Nobody knows. And so far, I've been very fortunate and blessed. Hashtag blessed, as the kids say on social media. Well, thank you, man. And thanks for coming. I really enjoyed meeting you. My pleasure, man. I'll send you a link when this is posted and all that. Take care, man. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys.